You are now rocking episode number 25 of the Don't Start a Band podcast. Once again, I'd just like to say thank you to everybody who supports the podcast in any way. And don't forget to subscribe and throw some likes on some or all of the episodes. It's taken 25 episodes, but I am pleased to announce that David Jerusik joined me on this episode of the podcast. He's the drummer in my band, The Backseaters, and one of my best friends, and I think we did one of my favorite episodes to date. We talked about life, being in a band, and music that gives you the chills. So put your hands in the motherfucking air for David Jerusik. Cue the music. David Jerusik, drummer of the Backseaters, the band that I am also in. <laughs> Welcome to the Don't Start a Band podcast. Hey, thanks for having me on. I've been excited to do this. 25 episodes have gone by and you didn't ask me to come on. <laughs> or I'm, didn't ask, I didn't ask you to come on. Uh, I think it's like a little bit of both. Like, uh, I've been like nervous about it because I'm worried I'm going to say like the wrong thing or just not have anything good to say. No. You're one of the smartest people I know, and one of the most articulate, so... Aw, thank you. I, I knew that this one had to be a good one. <laughs> Thanks. And that I had to get my feet under me with the podcast, but I was going to ask you, do you kind of get it? The I wonder if anybody gets it. I haven't really like asked anybody, but the like intro music... Because it says, can you hear me? Yeah, oh, yeah. Can you see it? Because gotcha. it's live on YouTube and brilliant. we're recording. I thought that was pretty good. I guess it's because I've heard that song so many times and played yeah, it so many you, times. It's, it's passive. Yeah. <laughs> makes sense. But no, I was just like, I want to use, I want to do a theme song. Yeah. I didn't want to record something like brand new. And I was like, that is perfect. That can is you hear awesome. me? Can you see it? Yeah. Don't start a band podcast. That is, I didn't. Wow, I I did not know that actually. That's amazing. That's really cool. I put some thought into it, and now every I've never brought that up, so now everybody else knows. Okay, nice. <laughs> so uh, introduce yourself. Tell everybody kind of uh, the beginnings of David and what got you into music, and like into well, what got you into music, and then furthermore, what got you into playing drums. Gotcha. Okay. Um, let's see. Well, as said before, my name is David. Um, I play in the band called The Backseaters with uh, this gentleman right here. Yeah. Let's see. I started playing with Jake back in, oh my lord, I think it's actually been almost four years now because it was in February of 2015, I think, when I first like asked if I could try out and that kind of thing. And uh, since then... It's been awesome. It's been so much fun. Like it's been very gratifying. It's been what I've wanted to do. It's a great like creative outlet. Like I just love it. Like absolutely love it. <laughs> Tell everybody where we met for the first time. <laughs> this is a good story. So let's see. It was probably 2011. It was my first job. I think I was my first job as well. Yeah, I think I was 15 at the time, and um. 
uh, there was this place. I think it's still there, actually. Oh, yeah. I go there all the time. Okay, nice. <laughs> I couldn't go there for the longest time, but now I can finally go back and enjoy it. Nice. But uh, it was called Yogurtland, or it is called Yogurtland. So I put in an application. There was like 15. I was super nervous about it because I'm like, this is my first job. It's going to be a big deal. Like, it's, it's going to be really important. And so, like, I dropped off my application. I was like, okay, here we go. I feel like I remember you dressing really nice for your probably interview. like I think my like mom and dad told me like you have to get dressed up for your interview and so I like dress for the job you want exactly. not the job you have and I got it <laughs> yeah that's right but and uh, I thought like I didn't even know that you played drums or anything or even thought about playing drums I just thought when you would bang the spoons on the cash register that you were just a little spazzy yeah no it was always kind of there. So anyway, when I started working there, there was this kid, and um, he was just super hyper all the time, and I didn't really get why. And at one point, the reason I thought like he stuck out to me at one point, because we were both sitting at the counter in the morning, and he's like, do you like Four Years Strong? And I was like, I, I've never heard of them. <laughs> and I was like, oh. and he was like, oh, okay. And then I remember about two hours later, the same kid took off his shirt so everyone could see the Blink-182 tattoo on his chest. <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming I'm that kid. Uh, yeah, you are. Okay. <laughs> and then um, after that, like, from I didn't talk that much, really. Yeah, I don't remember you really talking at all. Yeah, I was in part terrified and also socially awkward. Like I was homeschooled, so like working at like a job in like the public was like basically my introduction to like the world that was throwing you into the sharks too that's yeah. not like an introduction that's just like a dropping you off and saying here here's other people plus here's customer service and people who are going to be upset with you regardless of how polite you are i think it kind of scared me at first because like the first time i like i think like the first night i worked there i was like trying to like find stuff like in the refrigerators and that kind of thing and some guy i think his name was aaron so like do you remember aaron yeah okay so i'm digging around for stuff and he goes who the fuck are you <laughs> and i was just like oh no i've done it wrong i'm doing it wrong i'm doing it wrong but that, that was... dude was nuts he used to drink skull vodka oh. on his on his lunch breaks and then come in and he was a much uh, you know, more pleasant person after his lunch break. Yeah. But, uh, still a little intense, <laughs> you know, being 16, working at your first job, and you're like, this dude gets drunk at work? That is that is unbelievable. I would never do that, ever. And then you go further in your career, and you're like, oh, well, that guy gets high every day before he goes to work. That guy gets drunk. I don't know what that dude does. Yeah, he does something. I remember I used to work at this one place and I caught a guy like doing cocaine in the back room before he went on to shift. So Jesus. <laughs> yeah. He's like, uh, I'm good to go, man. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. We're like, you go, dude. That's intense. <laughs> You're ready for the night. Go you. <laughs> I mean, I get wanting the pep, but like as far as being able to be efficient. Right. Yeah. That, that seems like it would be a problem. <laughs> but, uh, I always feel like, because I remember Elise, who was oh, our manager, yeah. shout out to Elise, shout out. having difficulty with the scheduling in the winter time, and she had to schedule less 
shifts for some people. And I was a shift lead at this time, and she just, I think I was. Yeah, I don't know. I think you were. I think you'd like just become one. Yeah, <laughs> but she kind of weaned David off of the schedule, and then I remember him calling. I think you called like once or twice a week to yeah. see if you were scheduled, and I just didn't even know what to say. But it was it was for the best. I stayed there for a little too long. I was there for two years. Um, really set the bar high for my first job, but uh, but yeah, that's where we met for the first time. And uh, when did you start playing drums? I know this is that it sounds like it was part of the same conversation, but <laughs> no, yeah. But when did you start playing drums? Um, let's see. I remember always like being interested in them as like a kid. Like I don't know if it was just like the like aesthetic part of it or just something, but I was just like just naturally kind of attracted to it. Mm-hmm. But um, I think I officially really started like playing, playing. I think my parents got me like my first drum kit when I was about twelve. Yeah. And um, I think from there, I think I tried drum lessons for like two months, and then just kind of stopped. <laughs> yeah. And I think at the time, like I was yeah probably twelve or thirteen. And um, so I remember, like, I think I would download, like, like remember, like, when they had, like, MP3s where you could, like, listen to, like, the radio? Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Because we weren't, I wasn't rich enough to have an iPod. So. <laughs> I just wasn't allowed for some reason. My parents wanted me, because, like, everybody had an iPod, but yeah. they were very strict about not letting me get the thing that everybody else had right. at first. So I had a, it literally looked like a big bean it was a bean mp3 player it was like sony and it had like the curvature of a bean okay gotcha yeah and it only held i think like 200 songs or something like that because mine was like that too i think mine was like because i think i was like 13 when they got it was it a zune it was not it was called like a (laughs) vensa monster or something like it had like a little wheel something goofy and um, so anyway, with this MP3 player, I'd download like Switchfoot singles like off of the radio and like try to like play those and that kind of thing. Oh yeah. And then um, I think after that, like my dad had a friend that had like a MacBook that had like millions of songs on it. So it was, oh wow. Yeah, I was on there, and so I was just like trying to like pick stuff out. So there's this one like punk band that I think is still no they're still around. There's this band called Flog and Molly. <laughs> yeah. And I just loved it. Like I just loved the sound of it, like the feel of it. Like it was like essentially like the drumming was like punk drumming like just like mm-hmm. ones and twos but i just really liked that sound like it just resonated with me for some reason yeah and so i'd like downloaded like all that stuff and i was listening to that band for a long time and then um at that point so i think i was probably like 13 or 14 when i really started to start playing drums yeah and um so like we would like set it up down in like the basement like my sisters would yell at me because like I'd be playing drums while they'd be doing school. <laughs> His sisters were mean to him back in the day. Sarah, Leah, Kayla. Well, actually, Kayla. no, I take that back. Not Kayla, because I think Kayla. Which was one the... was the one that sold your shoes? That was Sarah. <laughs> Sarah, selling your shoes on the internet. So yeah, um, but yeah, um, there we go. <laughs> First, um. But, um, <laughs> two. Now you're going to be thinking about it. Fair. So I kind of started messing around with that stuff. And then when I was 14, 
I simultaneously started like playing drums at like a church I was going to at the time, um, Grace Community, I think it was called. I don't think it's a church anymore. But um, so I kind of started playing there, was absolutely awful at it, like was so, so bad. I'm kind of surprised if anyone's, particularly Stephen Raymer, if you're watching this, thank you for being so kind to me at the time. <laughs> it was the beginning. Yeah, because it, it was bad. It wasn't great. <laughs> And then also during that time, I played in a, well, I played in a band called Stop, Cough, and Droll. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, the band never put anything out, except if you find it on YouTube, it's deep in the trenches of YouTube. But we did a cover of the Eels song um, called Fresh Blood. I've never even heard of the Eels. Oh, you've never heard of them? They're, no. They're like super good, actually. Yeah. They're kind of like a... I don't think you've showed that to me. You showed me the one that was like... Oh, I did with... That band that you recorded with or something. Record. Yeah. I think yeah. I did like a couple like songs for a, um, a woman named Luca Keck, who was a brilliant violinist, actually. Like, she's incredible. Yeah. <laughs> she was... You shouldn't have hired me. You could do a lot better. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, I did a couple songs with her. And then I think right about that point, I was starting to look for like another band. And that's where I found Jake and the Backseaters. And it just kind of went, um, uphill from there. <laughs> or what's the word? Like it got better? Like not uphill. Cause... I mean, it got uphill as far as progressing. Yeah. But it like made our lives a little easier because I had you because, uh, so I've said this when I started the backseaters, it was just me acoustic. And then I found a drummer and that guy, let's just leave it at didn't work out. <laughs> and, uh, he left the band and I posted on Facebook and David said that he could play drums. And the only thing I remembered was this dude from Yogurtland who would tap on the cash register with spoons. Like that's all I remembered. And I was like, you know what? We lived in the same neighborhood and I was like, I, you know, if he wants to try out, that's cool. And I just remember I was recording demos and he came in and I said, all right, you know, set up, you know, move, um, my drum kit however you want it and I go back and I'm saving everything in Pro Tools and then he just like rips this fill that uh, I mean it was just so it wasn't like it was like some kind of off fill that was just very unique and I knew at that moment the promise that David had I mean you were a good drummer at the time, but I knew that you could be a great drummer. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then that started the era of the Backseaters duo, which people still ask me sometimes when they're like going to book me, even yeah. though I've changed everything on the websites to say like trio or whatever, um, they still ask if we're still a duo. Really? Yeah. Huh. I don't know. For some reason, that really made an imprint on people. It's probably because, like, that promo picture that we took, like, in the mm. middle of February. Or yeah, like, it's everywhere. I was wearing, like, like shorts and, like, a winter coat. It was just really weird. And I got all <laughs> dressed up. I had a Johnny Cupcakes hoodie and a leather vest. Yeah, because I can admit it. You know what? I can admit my downfalls. I was really into Sons of Anarchy at the time. <laughs> And I thought the leather, like, biker vest looked really cool with a hoodie. 
thought it looked like really hardcore. So I was like, I'm going to wear that. And then that picture, um, shout out to Zach White for taking that picture, uh, was posted everywhere. Everything we did, that was the picture picture. everywhere. And I hope Live Nation has changed it in their database. But the last time we played a show with Soda Jerk slash Live Nation, it was still that picture. (laughs) So, uh, So, yeah, now for everybody's information, we are a trio slash, we're a quartet now. Yeah. We're a quartet. Plus Chris. (laughs) Trio. (laughs) That's exactly what we are. Trio plus Chris. Oh, just kidding, buddy. We love you, Chris, very much. Like, if you're watching this, we love you very much. You know, the thing about Chris is he's just such a nice individual and just takes it on the chin so well that it just, like, you know, all the stuff that you're not sure about saying to everybody else, you just unload it on Chris. (laughs) But at the end of the day, we respect him. He is a gentleman and a scholar. And a doctor. Yeah, an actual doctor. You'd never know if you met him. (laughs) Just kidding. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Chris. The roast of Chris. I feel like at least if we're going to roast him, he should be here. I feel like that would make a good episode, all four of us. Just roasting Chris for a good hour and a half. No, I mean, it'd probably be a little bit of that, and then it'd be a little bit of Colton roasting me. Cause like it seems like everything I say, Colton has something that's just going, going at me, and he's always been that way. Like anything you say, like if you mess up saying something, yeah, like he's always right there to pick it up and let you know where you fucked up. He'll be like, like say a song name wrong, be like, actually, you mean Chelsea's smile? I'm like, yep, thank you, Colton. Chelsea's smile. He no, he's. We need to have another episode with him on the podcast, too. Yeah, I like him. Because, again, I'm still getting my feet under me, and I can't thank him enough for helping me out with that. <laughs> Where were you, David? Where the fuck were you? Actually, I think that was like the day after we got home from camping, so I was home. <laughs> Dude, I don't know where you were. Uh So what was it like starting out in the backseaters? After you got the gig... Kind of, what was your experience with it? Ooh. Um, for probably the first year and a half, a lot of it was learning. <laughs> like, a lot of, like, how to play in a band, how to record music was, like, one of them, because I'd never done that before either, like, for real. We're not counting with a iPhone and a yeah. bedroom. <laughs> with microphones and metronomes. Yeah. And... So, like, that was... I don't know. Like it was a lot of work, but it was very like beneficial. Like it helped me get like way better. <laughs> yeah. And it helped point out like a lot of spots where like I was weak or wasn't necessarily doing it right. And um, I found it really engaging too. Like it didn't feel like a drag. Like it was just like fun. Like there were some days that we did it for hours and hours and hours trying to get songs down right. and yeah, <laughs> figure out how we wanted to do them. Yeah. Well, I remember even like recording like our first album, like a place to rest your feet, like remember that that it wasn't easy like it was very gratifying but it was not easy <laughs> no not at the time i think we're not 15 anymore it took us a whole day <laughs> it did that was and i you know what i really love that song i love all those songs right and like even the ones on mailboxes like i've 
wish I could just like, as I get better at recording, keep recording them and putting them out. Yeah. But uh, I think, I mean, if you guys wanted to, I think it'd be cool to like re-record mailboxes, all of us, and put that out. Because technically it never got put out. Like it's not on Spotify and um, iTunes and stuff. So There's something fun about those old mailboxes songs. Like I think those were like the first that I learned. And um, I remember they were just like really fun to play. Yeah. It was actually kind of funny because I think what actually made me decide to join the Backseaters in the first place was um you had posted a video on like facebook or actually no it was on youtube and um i was watching you guys play and like you it was you colton and then that other guy that you had playing and um i was like i'm gonna be in that band one day and very rarely do i say i'm gonna do something and it actually ends up happening (laughs) it's kind of crazy how fate just like i don't know because like don't take this the wrong way and i'm pretty sure we've talked about this I'm not very good with patience. I'm I'm better now, but I think it's because of David. <laughs> Definitely before we started playing music together, I had no patience for anything. I wanted it to be good. I wanted it to be perfect right now, right now, right now. Mm-hmm. But like for some reason, there was never a thought in my head of, oh, I should find another drummer. Like I just wanted to for you to be the one. Because I knew you were smart, I knew you understood it, it just was going to take some time, and then look at you now. I feel like that's kind of just my learning process. Like, I've been trying to get, like, better at it. Yeah. That's just always been my learning process. Like, I don't like it. (laughs) Like, I wish it was better. Like... Yeah, but sometimes I feel like when people learn something, they might, like, learn it super quick. Yeah. And like get a base level understanding and then go, cool, I'm going to roll with that and just keep going instead of like expanding on it. Yeah. With you like doing it slowly, it seems like you never reach a point where you're like, I've learned all I can learn. I'm tapering off now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like even the songs up to recording them, they get better and better and better. And then even after we record them, there's insane fills and like different things you do that like you keep progressing whereas you know some people if they go i know how to play drums and then they do a drum part it's solidified that's it i think it's more like i kind of view like my kind of the way i learn is more like through like i guess you kind of view it as like pyramid building Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's like one stone and like it's there like it's not going anywhere (laughs) yeah like very rarely does it like slip out of place and if it does seem to be like slipping out of place It's usually something that's like off with my head or mm-hmm. just like like it's not actually forgetting a song how it goes. It's more just like I think I don't know how to play it anymore. <laughs> that is definitely your mind is <clears throat> your biggest uh, enemy when it comes to like learning something. Yeah. And that's why I always have to like look at you and be like, David, you know how to play the song. Yeah. <laughs> and then you go, yes, I do. And then your brain's going, no, you don't. You have no idea. Where are the brakes, David? And it's weird because like that, like that same like concept like applies to like a lot of other areas in my life too. Yeah. Like through like work stuff or like house stuff, like just like relationships with people and like yeah. how I like interact with people. <laughs> like I kind of view life as just one entire learning experience. I don't know if that sounds too like hippie-esque <laughs> no and i see i see it as a positive thing because you're not just like going through you know going through things so fast and like you know 
sub like i said like base level learning them like like you said when you have that first like block to the pyramid it's there you understand it you know it backwards and forwards yeah and you can progress from there whereas you know a lot of other people and probably myself included you know you just kind of set down that first block and then start building the rest of the pyramid yeah. you know not making sure that that block is even in the right space you know what i mean because i can't even tell you how many times i've like learned another band's song yeah and then like go back and like actually learn it and i'm like fuck i've been playing that wrong the whole time <laughs> right so i don't know i view it as a positive thing even i mean in the end you could view it as it probably takes the same amount of time because like if you it takes you longer to learn it and even if someone like surpasses you and thinks they know it but then they don't actually know it and have to like go back and relearn something yeah like i feel like you probably show up with that person at the same time at the finish line because other people have to go back and like relearn something or Cause like another thing I do is like I'll learn something, know it, say I know it, and then move forward and then forget it. Gotcha. You know yeah. what I mean? And like I said, you learn something, it's stuck. Yeah. So. It's kind of like a. I'm trying to think of the weird like animal that's in between like a tortoise and a hare. Like a uh, hedgehog. Yeah, armadillo. Ooh yeah. I actually saw an armadillo one time in nature. It was. Weird. I've never seen an armadillo. They're weird. I wouldn't recommend it. Can they bite? Do they bite? Ooh, I don't Are know. Are they like mean creatures? I don't think so. Like, I think uh, the time I saw it, there was like some kid. He's like, look at my armadillo. I'm like, wow, that's cool, man. They're like a lizard and a kangaroo. And, and like a rat. And a rat. That's kind of the best way to describe it. They're weird. With armor. Ooh, actually, it's like a possum with armor. It's kind of the best way to describe oh, it. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, I'm not Can they that. roll? I I think so. Or is that just a cartoon thing? Oh, what's that? road to El Dorado. That's what it is, yep. Because the the armadillo turns into the ball and yeah. they play the... Yeah, I love that movie. That's one Me of my too. favorite animated movies. You know what I realized the other night? Did you know that Back to the Future, like, those movies are my favorite movies of yeah. all time? I realized, like, those are my favorite movies and my favorite animated movie mm-hmm. is Atlantis. Which Dude, is still Michael J. Fox. A good one. <laughs> yeah. I just, the premise is good. Like, I even like the animation. I feel like it was just a really, really good movie. Yeah. Oh. It was solid. I hope they don't remake it. I know that there was like an Atlantis 2, but it's like the same as the Jungle Book 2. Uh, you know, very, I feel like. Any movie that makes a sequel, they should have it planned before they put out the first one as right. opposed to, oh, that did pretty well. Maybe we should try and put together another one real quick. I feel like all the two movies that like came out in like the mid-2000s up until like 2010 were just like weird cash grabs. Like, Definitely. Because I remember like getting all like soaked on them as like, a kid and then going... For like either like a friend's birthday party or the something. different yeah. actors always fucked me yeah. up like if you saw that it was a different actor you're like this isn't gonna be good no inspector gadget too that's another one wait did they change i thought it was um was was matthew mcconaughey in that movie matthew broderick My, oh. <laughs> uh i know he was in the first one i don't think he was in the second one okay uh if anybody 
wants to correct me on that, please do so in the comments. Like, comment, subscribe. I'm going to do it. What? Jamie, can you look that up for us? <laughs> Jamie, can you look that up for me? Sorry, that was bad. Anyway. Um... Dude, I don't want people to know that I listen to Joe Rogan. I don't listen to Joe Rogan. Uh, <laughs> anyway, yeah. what were we talking about? Um, oh, animated movies. Animated Michael movies. J. Fox. Uh, the learning process. Learning process. Fuck. Um, ooh, um, maybe it's a slightly interesting topic. Um, my musical introduction. The armadillo. That's oh, what yeah, derailed us. <laughs> One thing I did want to mention. Um, my like musical like introduction, I feel like it was kind of backwards, because <laughs> mm-hmm. like I got into like bands like Flog and Molly and like kind of like the early punk scene like first. Yeah. And then in the band I was in, cough, stop, cough and troll. <laughs> That's a mouthful. I know it is. I don't know why we thought it was a good name. Because <laughs> it's funny when you're 13. Yeah. That was... <laughs> but like the kid's dad got me into like and like the kid I was doing it with Hunter Gill. I don't know anymore i haven't talked to him in like four shout years. out to hunter gill friend Hi, hunter of the podcast <laughs> but like his dad was into like the local music scene at the time so i remember him telling me about bands like the lumineers and like nathaniel oh, rayliff when they were damn. playing like lost lake <laughs> that's crazy which is weird so like kind of got into like that scene and like the ums scene and then also bands like neutral milk hotel and that kind of thing that's when it all got weird i love neutral milk hotel I know you do. <laughs> that one's not as weird, but like that's one thing I remember about when we started playing music together is you made me this like burned CD of a bunch of like different artists, and I remember one of them was like I think it was the Mountain Goats. Oh yeah, and tallest man on earth, and I was just like looking at this CD like what the fuck? I did. I mean. Full disclosure, I don't think I ever listened to it. <laughs> I think it's still somewhere in this studio, Fair. to be honest. So, I mean, I should listen to it. No, it's a weird mix. But I will say that you showing me these weird bands kind of like got me into being more experimental with my listening. Because, yeah. I mean, for me, it was pop punk, hardcore, Gaslight Anthem. Okay. Yeah. And like, that was it. And then like... I remember right around the time we started playing together is when I started checking out like American football, foxing, um, like those kind of more indie underground bands. I think you were the one that got me in kind of more like the emo sound, like tiny moving parts. Yeah. um, The world is a beautiful place and I'm no longer afraid to die. Yeah. (laughs) I I got to see them once and like, I remember there was like 15 people on the stage at one point. Yeah. It's, there's a lot going on even on the records. Really good. (laughs) Yeah. Try to think, um, and then, uh, after I got into bands like Modest Mouse. You Blew It. That was another one that I had started listening to. Do you listen to Modest Mouse at all? I have tried. Oh. Uh, the songs I write have been compared to Modest Mouse. Yeah. But uh, I passed Float On. I don't know if I've ever heard anything else. Gotcha. You might actually really like... Um, there's an album called like The Lonesome Crowded West. Mm-hmm. And um, I think the other one is called... Um, I don't know if it's called The Third Planet or something like that. Or, no, um something to do with Antarctica. Oh, the moon in Antarctica. <laughs> okay. And I think you would really like them. <laughs> I think I would too. 
I just, for some reason, my brain like decides when I'm yeah. going to listen to something. Like the most recent one, for the longest time, I love the Gaslight Anthem, Brian Fallon, but I just couldn't stand Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> it just like didn't, didn't care, whatever. And then recently, my brain just said, we're going to start listening to Bruce Springsteen. And so I started listening to Born to Run and our first album was Born to Run and Born in the USA. Are they both born? I don't know because I don't listen to any Bruce Springsteen at all. <laughs> well, I mean, I always loved like I'm on Fire and Atlantic City, but like I never really listened to anything else. And then recently I started listening to those first like two albums. And yeah. He's, he's, uh, got, he's got some good stuff. Does he do uh, Walking in Memphis? No, that's Mark Cohn. Oh, gotcha. Okay. But I do love that song. Yeah. I've loved that song for probably since I was like 11 or 12. Ooh, mine like 11 or 12? That's like kind of old or oldies, I guess. No no disrespect. <laughs> Don't roast me. Ain't going to be an oldie. Yeah. Simon and Garfunkel. Oh, that is an oldie. Yeah. I love Simon and Garfunkel. Miss Robinson. Yep. And uh, Cecilia. Cecilia's a banger. I haven't delved too into it. I know Mrs. Robinson, and that's about it. Fair. Thank you, American Pie. <laughs> that's why I know of it. Uh, but yeah, when we started playing together, that's when I started, like, because I got really into You Blew It, and like I said, American Football, um, Foxing, and I feel like, because before that, mm-hmm. I was playing chords. Okay. And that was it. And, yeah. like, the drums were super straightforward, and then you joined and you had your unconventional drum parts. And I was listening to all this like emo, like guitar, clean riffy music, yeah. which like got me to be experimental. And that's one thing I wanted to say on the podcast is another thing that I think worked extremely well to your advantage was not taking drum lessons. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, there's different things that you could say about helpful and whatever but i think people overlook the fact that like by not having drum lessons beat into your head yeah you got to learn songs and like everybody hears music differently and you like hear it the way that you hear it and like the drums like there was no format no lines you had to color within so i mean the the you know opportunities and things you could do were endless and like finding under oath and his aaron gillespie's like unconventional style going about under oath all day (laughs) yeah that i mean like i think he took drum lessons and was like drum centered but yeah um still like the stuff he plays isn't just yeah you know and i mean I can play the weird stuff, but I've always just been more like programmed for the straightforward being in the pocket, like, you know, because I grew up playing in jazz band and stuff. But I think not taking lessons worked um, extremely well to your advantage. I think it does work out in like some ways because like it makes the only thing that I've like noticed with it is like sometimes like I'll hear like songs being played or like when you're like giving me something to work with. Mm-hmm. Sometimes like I hear it and it just like works. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's other times where like it just doesn't make sense in my head. Yeah. <laughs> Which is I think that's kind of the benefit of like having lessons because yeah. like 
you hear those songs that don't make sense immediately, you can be like, okay, well, the one's there and the two's there and the three's there. So like yeah. part of what I've been doing now is working a lot more with like metronomes and that kind of thing and like learning yeah. where like foot placements go and trying to be like more like on it. <laughs> yeah. And like discovering. Like muscle memory? Uh, kind of like that or like being more yeah. aware of like one and four, like where they yeah. actually are. <laughs> well, that's a big thing that you like learn in drum lessons, which I would say is beneficial. Yeah. But kind of like makes you neurotic with everything you do is like counting. Yeah. Like I can show you every single song I've ever written has like, you know, four bars of this, two bars of the pre-chorus, and then four bars of it's all like two, four. Like very rarely do I have like a one measure of this, two measures, four measures, three measures, like something weird like that. Like it's all, you know, twos and fours and um like it's just beat into my brain like even when i record demos like i don't even like think like you know to count out two bars or whatever or like two phrases it just like does it yeah but the thing is when you know even when i'm like cleaning cars or doing something it'll be like you know i'll be wiping something down and one two three four one two three like it just it drives me nuts and like there's things that I have to do like four times and three times and it it'll make you crazy. I don't know. I've kind of like because it's funny because but I, it like I uh, I just yeah. wanted to say it is beneficial. Oh yeah, most definitely. You know, like um once because I think the backseaters didn't play with a click for two years. You I think you started playing with a click right before we recorded Phantom. I think so. So. Because I remember going into the recording process, you weren't like a stranger to it per se. But I still had to like figure out the tempos to give to Taylor before we went in. So I think we were starting to like, starting to mess with it. I think the first time we really used it was I think when we recorded Ground Up with Taylor. Mm -hmm. So I think that time we definitely used one. (laughs) Yeah. That's where I kind of became like acquainted with it. I mean, I think we'll... Well, there was that one time when we recorded, um, hold on. Oh, coming back. And, um, oh, yeah. you had to stand out here and like play it. That's, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. I stood out and I counted it and like played it. Cause like a lot of like what you do too, you're also a very visual drummer. Yeah. And like you and I have always like had this eye contact thing where like, you can feel we're about to come to a change, but like I lift my guitar and like you can tell by like the way I move my body, like when I step away from the microphone and yeah. like stuff like that. I feel like that helps you. It does. And like I try and keep that in mind. Like when we're practicing, like sometimes I'm just, you know, playing, not really thinking about it. But I'll notice like I'll get close to the microphone like early and you'll like go into the verse. Oh yeah. You know, not that you're not like counting or thinking about it but just that it uh um you know it's just a cue so no i know what you mean um but yeah i would you say that playing with a click helps very much so like it's kind of weird like um i fill in part time check the oh yeah do i have to keep talking or yeah uh, okay so I fill in part-time and I play drums at this church um, in Parker called uh, Compass. And um, before, I was playing with this uh, with this dude and um, 
His name is Mike Brown, if he's listening. I don't know. Mike Brown, friend of the podcast. Very much so. And so he would, so when we were, would, when we would play together, he kind of just be like, David, do whatever you want. <laughs> Which, like, it was fun. I'm like, okay, like, whatever. That's the complete opposite of what we do. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm like, David, play exactly this, but kind of change it to make it your own. Yeah. So that, so like, that was fun. And I was like, okay, whatever. And like, it worked out. But then um, we kind of had to switch in people. And um, there's also, there's, um, the person doing it now, her name is Rachel Amade, and she actually plays in a da- band called Deerling. They're a local Denver band, and they're very good. <laughs> Shout out did to they? Them. They played at Red Rocks, didn't they? Did. They did, yeah. And, um, they opened, was it Movie on the Rocks or something? Or did they actually open up for somebody at Red Rocks? I think they won like a Fleetwood Mac-like contest. Oh. And uh, yeah, so they were able to like wow. do that, so that was cool. But... um. So anyway, she started playing, and she's like taught me a lot too, like just how like song structures work, and mm-hmm. like how to like fit better with like how I play too. Yeah. Because like in the backseaters, I hit really hard, <laughs> really hard. You've gotten a lot better at it. Though. Yeah. I was watching a video the other day from one of the first times we played at the Lions Lair as yeah. a duo. Oh. And it was just like fucking <laughs> crashing, just. <laughs> You know what I mean? No yeah. dynamics, just. I, I do doing think I remember thing. there just being a lot of like, like it was just loud and oh, yes. very aggressive. Um, but anyway, she's been teaching me a lot about like how to play dynamically and like with people, and like she actually gave me like some of those like Promark like rods to play with. Yeah, I have those. Yeah, with like the bunch of little sticks in them. Exactly. So yeah. like that's like taught me a lot about like how like dynamics work, and mm-hmm. um, so that's been like a lot of fun to like learn too as well. And also, like when Are I was you saying, I didn't teach you shit about dynamics. You're not. I'm not saying that at all. <laughs> you read into it. Everything I write is dynamic, bitch. It is. Anyway, that's more just me learning how to like accommodate for it because I have not been for the longest time. Yeah. Well, well, I've been getting better at it. The thing is, is when you're like when we write it together or whatever, like you're not thinking about it. It just happens. Yeah. You know, so when you're playing live, you're just like, oh, I know the song structure, but you're not like thinking about the sound of everything. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, which I would definitely say that you think more about now. Most definitely. Like when we get quiet in the songs, it like goes fucking quiet. Yeah. You know? So um, like learning about like those dynamics and also like strong structures I've been really trying to work on as well. Mm-hmm. And um so I found that like sometimes like I'll be like either learning new songs or like trying to practice new songs like with backseaters or just whatever, and um, I have difficulty like playing it live because like I have no idea what the structure is and like I don't know where this part is I don't know where that part is I don't know how long this goes on for yeah and so once I kind of started learning like how to not necessarily like chart things out like I'm not quite that good like I know some guys that can be like well there's four counts of five here and then there's like yeah. a kick right here like I'm not that good but uh, <laughs> at all. But like eventually it just becomes like an internal like you can feel yeah like you know that you play the two bars and then you like hit a crash or do a little fill and then play two more bars and then you go into the pre-chorus yeah and, you know it's you, it becomes a feeling you know what I mean so like to be able to like get to that point where like I can hear like a new song like that's what amazes me about you is you can be like well here's this new song or here's one we're trying to learn it goes like this 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 and this and then it stops here and then it goes right here and then it goes right here and then it's right here and then it's done easy and like 
I know. I think it's just because I get so excited to play it. Like, I've already played it a shit ton of times. So I'm like, what what the fuck don't you get about this? Yeah. I know it backwards and forwards. Learn it in two seconds. (laughs) So, like, I've been trying to get better at that. So just learning, like, how structures work and how dynamics work and how they affect, like, how the song works has been something I've really been enjoying, like, getting into. Like, I find that every year, like, there's something new about drumming that kind of takes me somewhere. Not that that sounds weird, but takes me somewhere special. (laughs) You could say takes you somewhere new. Ooh, I like that. that Down different roads that all lead to, you know, being the best drummer that you can be. Exactly. Like, I think last year was, like, learning how to play effectively with a click. Now it's, like, gotten to, like, a weird point where, like, I don't like playing without one. Yeah. Yeah, once you have that, it almost, like, it feels like cheating after a while. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Like, it's making you the best drummer because you're playing to a click, and it's, like, got that, like, support, you know? I'm at, like, a weird point now where, like, I feel like the only people that get away with it are, like, hardcore, hardcore bands. (laughs) Yeah, hardcore or, like, jam bands. Yeah. But even, like, you know, jam bands who aren't playing to a click, like they'll slow down and get like way slower than they should have or you know it's you really got to play with people for a long fucking time before you um you know don't play to a click yeah but like i heard like there's as far as like hardcore bands that like do it well there's only like three that i know of Mm -hmm. like i think like the chariot um recorded their first record I think they did it like completely live without one. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. And I know that that band Knock Loose did it without one. <laughs> Damn. And um, the new Every Time I Die record, they did it, I think, entirely live too. <laughs> like everybody playing all at the same yeah, time? Yeah, like in one room. <laughs> uh, Death Cab for Cutie did that, they said, with a lot of the songs off Narrow Stairs. Oh, no way, really? Yeah. Huh. Um, I think your new Twin Size Bed... There was quite a few of them. I watched an interview where they said that they were just like all in separate rooms and like had headphones on and played it all together. Yeah. Because they wanted it to have that like natural sound. I like that feeling like a lot. Yeah. Do you watch like those audio tree sessions? Yes. Like I love those. Yeah, same. (laughs) They make me happy. I I really like the weather box ones. Ooh, I haven't seen those. Yeah. They have some good ones. Uh... Who else have I watched? Turnover yep. has some good ones. Did you watch uh, Julian Baker's at all? Mm-mm. Oh, ours is There's so amazing. many of them. Yeah. I also like the, I mean, they're a little more sloppy, but no offense. It's not li- not Little Elephant's fault. Yeah. It's just some of the bands on there. And I think it might be because of the tight quarters. I don't know what it is. Yeah. But like, I like Little Elephant too. Yeah, me too. Are they still doing stuff? I don't know. It's been a while. Yeah, because I mean, I watched the dad's one. Okay. I think I watched a mom jeans one. Did you watch the modern baseball one? Yes. Okay, because that's the one I know of. Foxing, I think, did one too. I know they did an audio tree session, but I think they might have also done a little elephant. Okay. I've always wanted to do one of those. Me too. I think it would be fun. And like the story so far, and uh, Transit did. Well, Transit might have done an audio tree session, but I know they also did these sessions um, at, I think it was under Panda Records or Panda Recording Studio. I like think Panda, yeah. 
Yeah, because if you search the story so far, it was like right after um, What You Don't See came out and they play a bunch of songs off of that. Yeah. And then Transit plays songs off of Listen and Forgive. Okay. Um, but yeah, those those in-studio things are, are very cool. I would, I would probably do that at some point in our career if we had like the budget and the time. I think that would be really cool to set something up like that because when we play live there's a hundred percent an aspect to it that you just it's different when you record it and i feel like it's like that with all bands and i've always said the guy who you know sits in his room and shreds the guitar like you can shred and be the best guitar player on earth yeah in your room yeah but you playing with people yeah it's not all about you and you're not you know the guitar player, the drummer, the bass player, you're the band. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, it's always like kind of a bummer, like when you see those, like some of those bands live and they don't have a very good, like live dynamic. Yeah. It's either like super off or they don't. I mean, obviously, like there's off nights, but like if you see like a band play like more than once and it's still kind of like wonky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's super important to, I mean, and that's why like even when we don't have shows or like, necessarily anything coming up that it's very important to still get together and practice and have that familiarity and um like before our last band meeting which to bands out there have band meetings sit down with everybody see where everybody's you know head is at as far as being in the band what they want to do um because at the end of the day you want everybody in the band to be happy and to still be stoked on it but I felt like we were becoming like four separate entities a little bit, like not too much. Yeah. But then like definitely the next time we got back together to practice, like it was definitely more gelled, you know what I mean? Like there wasn't uh, like air, like air separating us as people. It's kind of like putting like air freshener under. (laughs) Yeah. It's... I just can't think of a different way to say it without sounding too hippie-ish no. <laughs> talking about vibes. But you gotta have the good vibrations in the room, brother. Yeah. Like you just have to clear out all the bad chi in your soul. And then before you know it, you're just cruising on to Jamland, man. Is this Hulk Hogan lighting incense? Ooh, that would brother. be brother. <laughs> <laughs> just see like his little like spaghetti tendrils like floating in the air. Yeah, while exactly. It just burns. But uh no, I it's having a good air in the in the practice session but also just believing in the band yeah you know and everybody like believing you know your part but believing that the band is all going to get to the same place exactly so i feel like that's super important or just like because one of the other reasons that like i really like music is just the it's a safe kind of it's a safe place you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like even like if work's awful or like home life is meh or like just something's going on like band is like just kind of a place where you can just get away from it even if it's like for like an hour or like two hours like it's just yeah it's somewhere to go it's somewhere to like release energy and like put the energy into the world well and very rarely if like any one of us is like having a bad day or an off day very rarely does it carry throughout the whole practice like it might go through like one or two songs but, I mean, after a while, you kind of forget 
the world outside of it and personally i feel better after practice usually me too yeah because you get those endorphins going you play the songs it's kind of like another version of working out yeah it's kind of like how like you go to see some bands and like it could be like even it could be like something like not heavy or something heavy and like just how like the room will change like with each band that goes on yeah <laughs> like just how the feel of it will change like you like regardless of like the sound like you could have like 15 bands all sound the same but yeah like each one of those different bands is bringing something like different as to like what they're feeling or like what they're trying to express yeah and i think that's what's really cool about like art and music in general i hope that doesn't sound like too like no it doesn't and i feel like that's why it's very hard to compare the backseaters music to other music sure is because we all listen to completely different things yeah for the most part i mean we have our you know common bands that we all listen to but um in a big way like colton listens to a lot of hip-hop and like different stuff and you listen to underground like different things i mean you you yours is all over the place kind of like mine but mine you know delves between the you know brian fallon gaslight anthem and like tiny moving parts and dangerous summer um but i think it it all comes together and that's why it sounds good and thank god doesn't clash yeah do you ever like find that like your like musical taste will like kind of vary on like the day i think that kind of goes Definitely. for like everyone but like yeah i find that there's some days where it's like all right this is like the hardcore week and then you have like next week it's like all right this is my hip-hop week <laughs> definitely i don't know i think like as long as you keep it like um like varied and it, it's kind of a way of like helping like you grow like yeah even like as a person like as a musician and that kind of thing well, not like forcing yourself to play a certain kind of songs or listen to a certain kind of music or anything like that. Um, as long as you just like let it come to you. Like, I feel like that's how the Grateful Dead has found me and Bruce Springsteen. And I just, I'm much more open. I don't go, well, this is on the radio, so I'm not going to listen to it. Yeah. You know, I kind of dropped that around the time I was like 17, 18 and got into the Lumineers and, you know, all kinds of music. It's weird how like people will say, I mean, this isn't like a, well, actually, no, let me, let me readjust this. There is only one genre of music I have a really difficult time, like really diving into and it's classical. <laughs> classical music? Yeah. Yeah. I just... Like, I don't mind listening to it. Like, it's not like, turn it off. But, like, I just have a really hard time. Like, like I can't list, like, list you off, like, 18, like, classical composers. For me, it's a little unnerving. Gotcha. Because yeah. it, like, I don't know. Maybe it would be different if my purpose for listening to it was just to listen to it. Yeah. But, like, as far as listening to it in the, in the car, it sounds like a bunch of... Um, you know, different random compositions. Yeah. As opposed to if you hear a whole symphony or something like that, you're hearing a whole story, yeah. essentially, you know? Um, but if you're just catching little snippets, for me, it's just like, it's a little unnerving and I just want to listen to a real song. Yeah. Well, it's kind of weird. Like, do you like that band, um, Godspeed You Black Emperor? 
Never heard of. Have you heard of? <laughs> nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but like, they're this like post rock band, kind of like Explosions in the Sky. I really like a band called. Uh, are they? No, their song was called Godspeed. Never mind. Oh, gotcha. Okay. But that um, band that I got super into that I can't remember the name of right now. Oh yeah, it'll come back like twenty minutes from now. If you know what band that was, drop it in the comments. <laughs> but there's this Fuck. band called uh, Godspeed You Black Emperor, and um, they do like these like 20 to 18 minute like compositions basically. Yeah. But they're all composed of like guitars and like violins and like drums and that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's kind of like you're listening to like symphonies, but it's all with like modern music or like modern like musical equipment <laughs> okay so it's really interesting but it's funny because that's stuff i could listen to all day yeah but like as far as like classical compositions i just have a really hard time focusing on it <laughs> yeah i mean i'm the same way and it probably doesn't make sense because i love jazz yeah well i mean i guess jazz is all one song it's not like an entire symphony but uh i love like 50s in 60s and i think 70s jazz but like once they started incorporating a bunch of like electronic okay like uh elements and like the recordings got better yeah. like i i wasn't super into it but like i love um like old live jazz recordings it kind of reminds me of when i played in jazz band like yeah. you can smell the coffee and like the desserts that people brought and yeah. like the clapping is a certain way and um i just i love that old jazz sound and i love like a trio and a quartet yeah because it just sounds like such uh it it just has a, a very full sound with very few people Ooh, so what are your so are you not like no, this isn't i'm not trying to be like so you're saying that you don't like new jazz? I'm not trying to say that at all. I mean, that, yeah, kind of. Gotcha. That's, that's Nora weird. Jones is about as new jazzy as I get. Gotcha. I think there's just something about like the electric guitar in jazz that's not my favorite thing. Gotcha. Other than, and this is an old jazz person, uh, Wes Montgomery. Okay. He was a jazz guitarist like back, I think in the 60s. But like as far as the new ones with like the clarity, maybe it's just the clear recordings. I don't know what my fucking problem is with yeah. it, but it just like the songs don't resonate. They don't make me feel anything. Gotcha. I'm trying to think. I think the last jazz album I listened to was actually by a guy named... It's an album called Departed. That's I know the album is called Je Departed. I almost said Departed. <laughs> Departed. De Departed. And it's got a drummer named Jojo Mayer on it and uh, another guy named Frank. I know that isn't very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> if you but, know uh, that album, drop it in the comments. The Departed. It was, or Departed. Yeah, Departed. And it was just really good. And I remember like I think I was listening to it one night and um, I was making turkey wraps <laughs> yeah my roommate said i think this is the fanciest that you've ever been <laughs> that's hilarious it was actually a, it, was a, it was a good joke yeah um, i'm i don't know man like i've said a million times i've like said it at nauseum yeah but music either hits you or it doesn't classical music it makes me feel absolutely nothing other than like a little irritated <laughs> right. or a little like 
I mean, if it's like super dark, yeah. it'll again just irritated. But uh, you know, then you put on Dave Brubeck Quartet, Bill Evans Trio, Thelonious Monk, Miles Davis, early like yeah. kind of blue Miles Davis. Yeah. Then it just like makes me feel all warm inside and like I love listening to jazz when it's raining or snowing outside right yeah just like uh the postal service that's another snowing band that i love Ooh, i think i like them more in the rain really yeah i mean uh quote unquote gloomier weather yeah they're definitely like more of a gloomy weather band but yeah. i don't know if i could listen to them on a sunny day <laughs> yeah you know what i mean right uh it's kind of like the same with my favorite song of all time, Brothers on a Hotel Bed by Death Cab for Cutie. I just, I don't know that I could really feel that song on a, like a bright and sunny, happy day. Yeah. You know? Ooh, do you want to, I find is really good for like depressing days is um, La Dispute and their Wildlife album. <laughs> Which one was that? It's got, um, it's after, um, somewhere between Vega. I'm not saying the title of that right. It's like the second album that they made. It's got like that's King. not the one with the boat on it, is it? No, it's the album after that. It's got like all the bushes okay. and foliage on it. Okay, it's I don't got, know if I've listened to that one. It's got like King Park on it. Um, oh yeah, 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 that album. Okay, yeah, I I haven't listened to too much on that album, but okay. I love King Park. Me too. That song is talk about a story. I remember the first time I heard it, like, I think I was, like, playing Donkey Kong 64 in, like, my basement when I was, like, 15 or something. Oh, damn. <laughs> and I remember, like, after, like, a while, I'm like, okay, this is starting out pretty good. And then I had to pause the game at one point. I'm like, oh, 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 oh. It's a roller coaster. The okay. first time I actually, like, heard anything, fr- and, like, I always just was, like, in a lot of dispute. Yeah. But I was working at the body shop I used to work at, and just from across the shop, I hear the, um, will I still get into heaven if I kill myself? And I was like, what the fuck is yeah. that person listening to? And then I listened to it and I was like, damn, because they, they tell a story. Yeah. That's what I love about like the early defeater records too. Yeah. Like, I guess I haven't sat down and listened to the full records of like the newer stuff, but definitely those first three. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, just amazing. I've listened to them over and over and over. Yeah. Like letters home is like a masterpiece. Like yeah. I love that record. <laughs> yeah. Do you like uh, me without you? I think Colton we... actually is the person who got me into um, defeater. Oh no way. Okay. Nice. Yeah. Uh, me without you. I haven't, it's another one of those bands that I haven't like sat down and like took the time to listen to. Gotcha. And I think like some of these bands like modest mouse, uh, me without you, like it needs to be at a time where I am open to something new Yeah. and where I want to, cause like when I find these bands, I'm uh, you know, actively listening to a full album. Okay. You know what I mean? I'm not just like looking for songs and clicking next, looking next, next. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, I need to be open and like have the mindset of I'm going to sit here and I'm going to listen to this album. But uh, do they do the same thing, the storytelling thing? Um, They do one called like 12 Stories. And um, basically it's like a concept album that like, tracks like a like pl- like a train like 
unhinging from like the tracks mm-hmm. and it kind of like this sounds kind of weird but it documents like all of like the individual like stories of each one of the animals that gets off but the way like it's like a train it's like a god train. forbid it just be people gotta no. be animals but like the way that like their singer aaron weiss writes it is like he uses like human perspectives through like the personification of animals oh okay and it's just i don't know it's one of my favorites it's artistic very much so yeah yeah i mean it's you know i give props to anybody who puts that much thought and like artistic integrity into their music yeah as opposed to well, i think people are gonna think this is catchy so i'm gonna write it uh you know what i learned recently you know that song um it's by the talking heads uh it's either called days go by or i think it's days go by Okay. As yeah. the days go by and the water flowing. Yeah. That song, I learned that like the way, so they were all art students. Okay. And the way he sings in the verse when he's like, this is not my beautiful house. Yeah. You are not my beautiful wife. Like he got inspired by watching videos of preachers and like seeing preachers, the way they like talk and like express yeah. things when they're, um, you know, leading a service or whatever he thought like it would be cool to like use that um when singing the verses of that song huh and it uh have you ever do you follow a youtube page called polyphonic it sounds familiar definitely and they are not a sponsor of the podcast unfortunately but little plug for polyphonic that is my favorite youtube channel because Mm -hmm. it has like all these history lessons on like certain um, like styles or bands or songs. Like it has uh, one about Miles Davis's Kind of Blue and how it changed the face of jazz forever. It has one that talks about um, When You Were Young by The Killers. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it talks about how uh, Brandon Flowers heard Bruce Springsteen on the radio and like it just resonated with him at the time and he went to a record store and bought like his greatest hits yeah and like you know there's certain parts in when you were young that like pay homage to you know bruce springsteen or whatever i think i said that right homage Mm. is that right homage i don't know I i think you're good yeah but uh but yeah it just has like little things like that or like um the theory behind blues musicians being possessed by the devil that's actually where I learned that Freddie Mercury, yeah. before I saw Bohemian Rhapsody, which is an amazing movie, by the way, um, Freddie Mercury has something in his, his like mouth or his throat or whatever where his vibrato mm-hmm. is intense. Mm-hmm. Like where most people, you know, it might go, you know, slightly up and down, like his can go yeah. insanely. Like he, there was... Uh, you know, genetically something special about him. Interesting. Yeah. But yeah, Polyphonic, definitely check it out. It's just like, it's history lessons. Oh, go ahead. Oh, the last thing I was going to say is it has a a whole video on John Bonham and like how his style like became so iconic. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. In that series, does it like talk about like, so like the uprise of blues which I think is like a really interesting, like just history lesson, like in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Like, who was first? Was it Robert Johnson first or Muddy Waters? Do you remember? 
I believe Muddy Waters came first. Gotcha. Don't quote me on it. Okay, <laughs> fair. <laughs> but yeah, so just like the rise of like Muddy Waters and then how that inspired Robert Johnson and then how everyone thought he was possessed by the devil because he yeah. was so good at guitar. And then after that, like you have like the introduction of like rock and roll and that kind yeah, of Yeah, the Rolling Stones, like they were, that was their number one influence was yeah. like blues, like Keith Richards. Um, that was like his shit yeah. was the blues. And uh, he talks about, uh, I don't know if you've watched that Netflix documentary that he does. Keith Richards or? Yeah. Oh, he does one? Oh, I yeah, he's that. like, it's like kind of a documentary about him, but he's just like telling stories and he's talking about how like he loved Muddy Waters. Yeah. And the first time they were recording in America, it was in New York City, maybe Nashville. I can't remember. But they went into the studio and Muddy Waters was painting the walls. He was like working at the studio, like yeah. painting the walls. And he just re remembered being like dumbfounded because this was his hero. And the dude's just like, you know, painting the walls. I don't know. I thought it was pretty cool, you know. And like uh, when it talks about the devil possession thing, it talks... It like references certain songs, how they like say certain things or yeah. like certain stories about these artists. But uh, yeah, I love that channel. Polyphonic. I've learned okay. so much from it. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it and I mean, there's there's a one on Amy Winehouse. Um, Ooh, did you watch like her so two hour shit. like documentary that she did? Yeah, I did. It, it made me really like like and respect her music a lot more because before I was just like, I didn't like that song Rehab. Yeah. But like seeing how enthralled she was with, uh, you know, jazz and uh, blues and stuff like that and, you know, her influences or whatever, it kind of made me enjoy her music more and yeah. see that like she actually knew how to play the guitar and stuff. And uh, it kind of gave me a deeper understanding of her music, so I enjoyed it more. But man, that documentary, like, it bummed me the fuck out. Ooh, it actually kind of sold me on, like, pop music permanently. Was, um, I watched Lady Gaga's documentary, Five Foot Two. See, I keep meaning to watch it, but for some reason, I just haven't clicked on it. Is it good? It's fantastic. Like, it documents, like, her up until the point where she played, like, the Super Bowl, like, two or three Because she's ago. another one of those, like, genius musicians, isn't she? Yeah, and, like, it was always weird, like, hearing her on, like, the radio, like, all the time. Like, all right, yeah. like, whatever. But after watching that, I'm like, oh. And it was just incredible. So if you ever get the chance, like, check out Lady Gaga's Five Foot Two. <laughs> Definitely. I, I've wanted to because I know she's another one of those, um, like, she has a jazzy mm -hmm. influence as well, and, like, she grew up playing in bars in New York, I think. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's endless musicians like that. Do you find that, um, and this is one thing I thought of when we were talking about Amy Winehouse, like, say... Um, you know, like the Rolling Stones or whatever, you hear their music and it's the Rolling Stones. But like, do you ever like find yourself liking an artist or a band a little bit more when you know their influences? Yeah. And you can like pick it out and hear it and like hear their inspiration. I feel like it makes them less godlike. 
because you can see that they're pulling things from other artists yeah. or like being inspired. They're not stealing, but like it, it gives you like background information yeah. about them. So you know where they're coming from. It's kind of like how I got into John Mayer. Like I was not a fan for the longest time yeah. in part. Cause like I was kind of associated with like tabloids. I'm like, Oh, it's just another tabloid guy. Like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but kind of the more I, dug into just kind of his catalog and what he was doing kind of the angle that he approaches things like now and i'm very sold which kind of surprised me because i never thought i'd get into john mayer (laughs) yeah have you watched his little documentary on youtube no i didn't know that he had one yeah um i didn't either until i just found it one day it's called someday i'll fly okay and it talks about like goes from the beginning like getting his first guitar um, you know, being inspired by Stevie Ray Vaughan and uh, all the way up, it goes all the way up to Paradise Valley and he talks about, you know, how his ego kind of got the best of him. Yeah. And uh, all that stuff, but it's it's fantastic. Gotcha. It gives some good insight for sure. Huh. Also, what, wait, what's it called again? Someday I'll Fly. Someday I'll Fly. Okay, cool. Um, I think it's, I mean, the lyric is from that song, Bigger Than My Body. Okay, yeah. Someday I'll fly, someday I'll soar, I think is what he said. Okay. Um, sorry, I'm setting up the Instagram live, letting people know what's up. It's too good of a conversation to let go unnoticed. Aw, thank you. Checking connection. And we are live on Instagram. Hello, everybody. This is episode 25 of the Don't Start a Band podcast. With my man, David Jerusik. And we were just talking about John Mayer, one of my faves. <laughs> we were. Uh, we were talking about how he has a documentary on YouTube. It's called Someday I'll Fly. There's actually, the the first time I saw the Amy Winehouse documentary, yeah. I saw it on YouTube first. Oh, no Before way. they put it on Netflix. Okay, yeah. But uh, if you just, if you search on the internet, like music youtube documentaries yeah there's a ton on there that's actually how i saw a robin williams documentary oh gosh um before well probably not before it was on tv but there's a lot of documentaries on there that are pretty fucking good Hmm. on youtube too yeah i really like they have a a lot of the vh1 behind the musics yeah like they have oasis counting crows okay how do you feel about counting crows Ooh. I don't know if we've ever talked about this. Um, I feel bad because after I moved to Golden, I became somewhat of a hippie. <laughs> not like not like full on. Yeah. But like I started drinking like kombucha and like enjoying it. I started drinking like. There's nothing wrong with that, man. It makes yeah. your body feel good. I'm trying to think what else, but just like weird stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, that I wasn't really into before. So anyway, the Counting Crows is one of those bands that like. All right, I'm not going to say that part. But uh, No, say, you know what? After fair. being with Annika for so long and just like coming to grips with there's certain things she doesn't like. And for some reason that like it took me so long to like get past it and, you know, realize that music hits everybody differently. Yeah. Because it just didn't make sense because I was like this band is so good. Their songs are so good. How could you not like them? But it makes sense now. So say what you were going to say. 
All right. Talk shit. My initial experience with the Counting Crows was in the Shrek 2 soundtrack. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I mean, I like that song. And here's the thing. The music video is weird as fuck. No, it is. <laughs> um, I love that song as well. Yeah. So after that, I was like, and then I just kind of pushed it off. I'm like, okay, anyone that's willing to associate with Shrek 2 can't be all that great. <laughs> yeah. So I'll admit that was my bad. But as of late... I've gotten far more into their kind of discography. Is that the mm-hmm. right? Okay, yeah. So, and I haven't gone very deep yet, but I yeah. can see where like, like they truly are like one of the like, they're fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I can officially like say that now. Like, I don't know them like too well, but I like them a lot from what I've heard. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I haven't like delved super deep into like everything. Yeah. But I have, like, heard bits and pieces. Like, I love August and Everything After, which yeah. has, like, Round Here, Mr. Jones, Rain King. Um, and I just, I don't know, the way he tells stories. And, like, his best storytelling song, I think, is uh, Miss Potter's Lullaby. Okay, yeah. Because he, it's just, like, a full story. And just everything he talks about is it's just really unique and cool. And um, I find that when... I'm having trouble like writing lyrics for demos or whatever. Yeah. Somehow it always comes full circle and I huh. start listening to Counting Crows because like your drumming. Yeah. I listen to that and I hear, oh, there's not the confines of love story or a you and a me. There's this other story. I can write about this. I can write about that. I yeah. can say something weird because it's like, they're my lyrics and it's how I feel. And like, yeah. it might be something like totally off from what I'm writing about, but like, I feel it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it kind of, they always circle back around when I need inspiration because so cool. yeah. I don't know. He's just a smart dude. And I actually, uh, you know, one thing I love about them, I, I think I've told you this, but I'll, I'll say it on the podcast. One thing I love about, Counting Crows is every time they play round here, mm-hmm. um, like sometimes he'll, he's has these like little things that he'll do in the bridge. Like their bridges are, I think like five minutes long okay. or whatever. Yeah. And the band just like keeps playing like super quiet behind him. Like it's intricate how like detailed That's they insane. are at being so yeah. quiet, but He'll like spitball some lyrics, Mm -hmm. just like some random lyrics, or he has like some ones that he's rehearsed. Or the most recent one I saw from when they went on tour last summer is he tells this story about, um, you know, when him and their guitar player were living in a warehouse across from like the bay and across from this railroad track. And he talks about how they'd go to the 99 cent store and get dented boxes of mac and cheese and like dented cans of soup. Um, But that they were going out every night and seeing their friends, bands, practicing, playing shows like it was always about music. And they were always, um, you know, the thing that kept them going was the loud electric guitars and the crashing of cymbals, just hoping that somebody would notice them. And then he goes, and you did. And then the whole crowd just goes nuts. And then he starts building it back up into the verse. Yeah. Which he has like a little thing that he's done since like 2002, which builds it back up. Um, And then it just, uh, 
It like builds it, builds it, builds it. And then he goes, I said no. And the whole band just fucking dies. And like, just like the whole crowd goes silent. And then he goes, there's a girl in the car in the parking lot. And then it just goes into that third verse. Like, yeah. Gives me fucking goosebumps every time I hear it. That is good. And I know that people don't love them. And you know what? They don't need to love them. Yeah. But it's a need that is in me. And I love that I have that need. I love that I have that little thing that can make me so happy and give me goosebumps. And I'm sure there's things like that for you. Oh, most definitely, yeah. What are like the... What's like one thing or a couple things that like you hear it and it just like lets you know that everything's okay? Like it confirms your love for music. Ooh. Man, that's a good question. I just feel, and I mean like it could be so many things, but I feel like there's things like that, like Round Here or Brothers on a Hotel Bed or like another weird one for me. Yeah is the song if i had a million dollars by the bare naked ladies yeah that song makes me so happy i have no idea why i don't know if it's the melody the lyrics but yeah it just makes me unbelievably happy and like yeah. reconfirms my love for music dude that is awesome um let's see hello instagram live who said hello uh Hi, Annika. And someone said, I love you, David. Let's see. <laughs> oh, I do too, David. Oh. oh, yeah. Sabrina loves you. Oh, nice. Oh, thanks, Sabrina. And your pea coat. They like your pea coat. Oh, thank you. That's the. Uh, Annika likes it too. I do too. Yes. It's a nice pea coat. $150. It was on sale on Black Friday at JCPenney. Damn. I know. Got it for. 50 bucks. That's a new thing. Like your style is definitely gone from the, uh, homeless, the sh- she- homeless chic. <laughs> yeah. The, the shorts and the winter jacket to a uh, pea coat. Yeah. And, uh, you started wearing skinny jeans I at did. our shows I'm, now. I've got one pair. Um, you got, you got some good style. Dave. No, no, it, it's coming along. It's coming Can along. Can I call you Dave? Uh, I don't mind it as long like, Ooh, I'm not a Dave. <laughs> no, I feel That's like it's okay. only like a title that you achieve when you get like older, like past like 26. Okay. Like that's kind of my take on it. I believe it. Okay. I probably still won't call you Dave, but. <laughs> Fair. Um, okay. I think I know my first one. Okay. <laughs> the very beginning of Dave Matthews' crash. <laughs> yeah. When it's got the guitar going, it's got that little bass groove. The in cymbals. The yep. It's just, it's perfect. Like, uh, what's his name? The drummer, uh, Carter Beauford. Yeah, Carter Beauford's symbol work. I know is incredible, especially the way he like works with splash symbols. Yeah, like he was the reason um, I actually got a splash symbol, which okay. I don't set up anymore. Yeah, because like I'm not playing drums all the time, but uh, a splash is definitely like if you want to have those little intricate, unique things get a splash symbol yeah. for sure because i love it i i've used it in every recording i ever did playing drums oh nice okay so but yeah, yeah like this like the intro and then like the roll going into like the first verse like oh it's just beautiful 
It's amazing. Just love it. I haven't. I think I first heard it when I was like 14 or 15, and like I remember um, the time that song was pretty edgy for a 14 or 15 year old, just due to the subject content. What does he say? Hike up your skirt a little more and show your world to me. <laughs> it's not subtle. Do you think back then it was a uh, a world with more shrubbery, or do you think it was a more flat surface world? <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I just these are the things I think about. You know, what was the world like back then? <laughs> I'm sorry, mom. <laughs> And you, oh yeah, dude, I forgot your mom uh, followed she'll, the podcast. She'll probably listen to it. You know what, Mary? Uh, this is my fault. David is still innocent and a beautiful young man. It's my fault. It's the tattoos and the gauges. and. Yeah, I'm trying to convert him, but this won't happen. I got a thick skull, dude. I got a thick fucking noggin. Um, so Crash, are there any others that just like... Are there any songs or parts of songs that you can think of that just like give you chills? Uh, yes, there are quite a few actually. Um, one of them we did already actually talk about was King Park. Like, yeah, um, I yeah, because I first heard that song probably like I'm 24 now, so it was probably like eight, seventeen, or nineteen somewhere. I in thought that. we were 25. I'm 24 still. I'll be 25 in April. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so I was probably like 17 or. Yeah, like either still like just about to exit high school or something like that. Yeah. And um, so it was probably five or no, four or six years ago, somewhere on that line. And I still hear that song, still get chills, like just still, like doesn't go away. Yeah. Makes the hair on your neck stand it up. It does. Like it's just, there's just something very powerful about it. Like, like after like the whole like, well, I still get into heaven if I kill myself, like that whole part. And then, um, like, when he's talking, like, the cops through the door. Yeah. Just trying to, like, rationalize. And they're like, you can still, like, come back from this. Like, you can make your peace with the world. Like, you can fix it. And, like, this guy is just so distraught that, like, the only way that he can think of to fix it is to kill himself. And the fact that he's only, like, 20. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what just popped into my head is, like, you've heard that song. I've heard that song. Yeah. But the hotel room that he's held up in, yeah. I have a picture in my head of what it looks like. And you probably have a picture, like even the neighborhood. Like he says the south side. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he's like talking about Chicago because like that's where they really say south side a lot. Like yeah. they talk about the south side of Chicago. But like I even like have a picture in my head of the neighborhood, right. what it looks like, the hotel that they're in. Um, you know, like what his uncle looks like. Yeah. Um, cause that's another thing. It says his uncle begging and pleading. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, another cool thing about music, but yeah, the thing about that, like last 30 seconds or whatever is it's just the guitar playing one note that it's just very like intense. Like it becomes very like. I don't know, like, it's just so, like, grinding. Like, it's just very, like, focused, and it's very attacked, and it's very piercing, I think is kind of a good way yeah. to put it. Um, so definitely that song, um, <laughs> Crash by Dave Matthews. <laughs> 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 
tied up and twisted the way I like to be. You know what a dirty song is? Semi-term life. Ooh, I can <clears> see it. Yeah. That song has some little innuendos in it. Yeah. Um, he says something like, turn around belly face down on the mattress or something. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of songs like that. Ooh, and I think the final one, I hope this doesn't sound like too pop punk of me, but um, when I was probably like 13 or 14 before I used to go to soccer practice. Um, you played soccer? Kinda. It was like with like a bunch of like other homeschool kids and they would play. Did your like, parents make you do it or you wanted to do I it? I wanted to do it. Like okay. I like playing soccer. Because I could see like if your parents had made you play a sport you didn't want to and you just like standing in the outfield just like... No, fucking go I feel like I actually like got pulled from a game because I got like too aggressive, which I think is kind of really. Weird. I know. I mean, it was more of yeah. <laughs> Damn, I can't even imagine. Yeah, it was it was weird. It was like a weird like mix of like kids and like adults playing. I bet if someone came up to you and like started fucking with you while you were playing drums, you could probably get aggressive with them. Yeah, maybe. Like, I feel like I'm Like, pretty... if we were at a show and someone came up and, like, started pushing you and fucking with you, I feel like you could lose it. I feel like it's more like if I'm about to, like, be hurt or something like that. Oh, like, yeah. Like, I was at, like, a show. Well, I was actually at Bring Me the Horizon show, like, last week. And um, I thought that, like, it would be, like, a little bit, like, chiller now <laughs> yeah, that they've because, changed their yeah. sound. No. Um, yeah, like at one was point. Was it like push pits? Yeah. Or? So, which are already kind of, so like I was hot, Annoying. I was sweaty and yeah. just kind of irritated. So at one point, like some guy like had like his elbow in like my like rib cage. Mm. I remember just feeling like so frustrated. I'm like, I'm going to hit this guy and I'm at a show. So it'll be appropriate. And I'm like, hold on. Yeah. Would you do this in real life? Would you? Would, I'm like, no. What are you angry about? I'm like, it's hot. I'm mad. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like, all right, calm down, just move. <laughs> so like, that's probably about the only time, but like, um, it does come out every once in a while. But anyway, back to soccer practice. As long as it's not here. <laughs> no, never. Anyway, soccer practice. Um, I used to listen to Blink 182's "Feeling This" before I'd go to soccer practice <laughs> to get hyped. Okay. So the part where it cuts out and it's just Tom singing, or like fade. Sure, oh yeah, time. in the super long room. Yeah, that they recorded it, and in. like yeah. I just love that part. <laughs> I used to love that part. Like it just gets me, and it still gets me. <laughs> you know what gets me is the 808s in it because I listened to that song for so long. Yeah, with shitty headphones. Okay, yep. And then like when I finally got a car and listened to it and heard the 808 at the start of the choruses. Yeah, I was like, oh yeah. But uh. Yeah, there's just certain songs that give you those feelings and like maybe there's people on this planet who also get those same feelings. Like right. King Park is probably like a more like more people probably get that. Yeah. But um Well it's interesting, like some of them are like connotated with like just growing up or like yeah, just like significant moments. Yeah. And, or just like Yeah. Just yeah, just getting older, like experiencing like new emotions, new feelings, and like just starting to yeah experience the world differently. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I mean, there's something that don't look back in anger does for me, right? And especially like, have you ever had that with live versions of songs? Like you watch a live version, like you hear the crowd like deafening 
Lee yeah. just like singing back to him, and it just like oof. I think there's one like video floating around up there over like I think it's Noel Gallagher, and he's like buying. Wait, Noel's the one that's yeah. still doing. It. Okay, yeah. And he's playing "Don't Look Back in Anger," yeah. and he like, and, like he just stops he, it, and the whole crowd's singing about it. It looks like he's about to cry in the I video. I think he too. was like, actually crying. He just like he just lost it. I mean, could you imagine? these yeah. words that you scribbled down and recorded into a microphone and like that song became like a huge deal for manchester because like after the manchester bombings like they had um some kind of like gathering or whatever to honor all those people and everybody who was there started singing that song like it's a monumental song for yeah. people in manchester and like um, there's a video of the guy from Coldplay and Ariana Grande singing okay. it. Like, it's a big fucking deal there. Yeah. And you know what's crazy is I was also watching a video from 2008 or 2009 of yeah. Oasis. It was like one of their last stadium shows. Okay. And they're playing... Uh, 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 what's the... Or Morning Glory. Yeah. The title track. And it just like... I'm sure for them on stage, you could probably barely, barely hear Liam singing. Right. Like the whole crowd is just, oh, it just gives me goosebumps to watch. Yeah. I know that's going to be us one day. I'm probably going to have a Dave Grohl moment. I don't know if you've watched the Foo Fighters documentary. I have. Yeah. When they play Wembley and he starts crying. Yeah. When we get to that moment, I'm going to fucking lose it. No, I, that's a good documentary. I've watched that one too. <laughs> yeah, that's an amazing documentary. Back and forth. Yeah. There's some good ones on YouTube, but there's some really not good ones too. <laughs> this is what I made with um, I, what's, iMovie and uh, my camera and some slides I found on the internet. And You know which one surprised me? Mm. was the Eagles. Really? That one wasn't bad. Huh. Um, another one of my favorites on there is It Might Get Loud with Jack White, um, The Edge, and... Um, Jimmy Page. Yeah, that's right. That is a yeah. good one as well. I saw that a long time ago, but it did Same. stick with me. That's a brilliant one. Yeah. Jack White is a lot smarter than people give him credit oh, for. Much for so. sure. Like, at first glance, some of his songs might seem a little weird, like everything past, like... Um, steady as she goes was the wreck in tears, right? Yes, that was. Right. And then like Seven Nation Army, like okay, you know. Yeah. And then you get like Icky Thump. Yeah. I feel like bridges that gap between like the mainstream hits and like some of the more thought out stuff. And like yeah. he was another one of those dudes, super influenced by Muddy Waters. And oh, I can see it. Yeah. It's. You know, and I really had no appreciation for the blues until I started like getting super into John Mayer. And it seems like all these amazing guitar players that I find fascinating have that root in blues. And then, um, you know, last year when I was taking guitar lessons, I started playing the blues scales. Like you taught me scales in the blues keys or whatever. And uh, it definitely opened up my world to hearing like different things and finger placement and just really jamming out on the guitar yeah there's something that the blues is definitely it progresses you as a guitar player for sure i think so and i think there's something very like 
there's something like very like soulful to it too. I mean, obviously, like everyone knows yeah. that blues is soulful. Very but, like, honest. It echoes pain, like, and I think like, but I, I mean, I feel like a lot of people say that, but like when you listen to it, like it echoes pain. Like you have to be in a certain like state of mind and a certain heart place to be able to c- communicate those kind of emotions without coming off as like campy or like. Yeah. I feel like honestly, like people can tell when you're full of it. Oh, for sure. So like. In order for you to be that legendary, that we're still talking about Muddy Waters and Robert Johnson, eighty something. Even though that. we're not even like huge fans, no. But we know, we who, know they who they are. are. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it comes from an honest place. Just like I feel like a lot of the bands that you and I both love, yeah, they come from like an honest place, not like an you know algorithm state of mind where they know okay well people really like this key they really like when i throw a couple nanas in here and this and this and this you know what i mean you're not like trying to cater to anybody else no like you're just trying to make your own organic art i think that's honestly like what people respond to yeah it's like what they connect with like that's what they listen to when they're getting on the bus in the morning (laughs) yeah like you as a musician and as like performers and artists and whatever you want to call it like you have the opportunity to like be part of someone's life <laughs> yeah and i think that's like honestly like one of the coolest parts of being able to like create <laughs> yeah well and uh i think the most important thing that comes out of that is uh you know i'm sure you've heard songs like this but when you hear a song and you go oh my god i'm not the only person feeling this way yeah like when people can resonate with that it just it does something like music that's what music is for Mm -hmm. and i mean whether it's on a surface level and you're connecting with shit on the radio yeah if you connect with lil pump and he's speaking your fucking lingo more power to you but it's not for me man don't kick me out of the band (laughs) i'm gonna premise this I'm looking at both YouTube Live and Instagram Live. Here we go. I have started to verge or delve into the world of... Say it loud. Say it a little louder. Let everybody know, loud and proud. If you're going to commit to this, you better fucking say it. I will, actually. All right. Okay. I've been starting to delve into kind of the world of emo rap. Okay. So not like I did notice you mentioned Lil Aaron the other yeah, day. More of like a passing comment, but like I think it's interesting how hip hop is starting to adopt elements of pop punk from like the two thousands. Mm-hmm. I just think it's more of like an interesting like musical trend. Yeah, actually I'm okay. I'm not embarrassed about this anymore. Look at this. <laughs> okay, shouldn't be. Yeah, should have been in the first place. Anyway, I've so... become more understanding about other people listening to music that I don't like. But anyway. Or that I'm not 100% into. I can admit that Juice World. Yeah, that's what I've been He seeing. has some good shit. And he can sing. That's. I think that's honestly, like, because I was kind of on the fence. Mm-hmm. And I started listening to Juice World. I was like, okay. Yeah. Black and White is a phenomenal song. And even, like, Logic and that kind of thing, too, is yeah. kind of what kind of kicked it off for me. But I think it's been interesting how the kind of the pop punk muse- movement of like the 2000s mid 2000s has kind of been translating into like over into hip hop yeah and how artists are kind of starting to draw from like that inspiration yeah and well cuz they're all kids that grew up listening to yeah. emo bands i actually watched a video on youtube i don't know if you've seen it but they talk about 
that's what killed or what's killing pop punk and like warp tour is like all the kids growing up who would listen to pop punk yeah are like experiencing the emo rap first and like going in that direction like i think like hip-hop is kind of becoming like the new form of like pop punk i think that's kind of like why warp tour died out yeah well definitely the soundcloud rap because i mean you have your mainstream hip-hop but soundcloud rap like has that title to it yeah which almost is like the same as like not the same musically obviously but like indie rock exactly when you label something indie rock there's a type of people who go for it and there's type of people who go oh you mean not my kind of music okay yeah you know and that's what it is like it's soundcloud rap it's not gonna be you know, a lot of those artists you're probably not going to hear on the radio unless they do a collaboration with somebody. Um, but yeah, I think I think you're totally right about so, that. Yeah, so it's kind of in the next like like musical pool. I'm kind of like hoping to get into. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> Wish me luck. It's uh, it's different, you know, and I respect if that's the direction that pulls you in. You know, I really can't talk shit after the whole Grateful Dead thing. I really had to reevaluate my opinions on, you know, people and what they listen to. So, yeah, I've come a long way. Oh, yeah. But uh, kind of tell the people, talk to them about what it's like playing drums in a band where the songwriter or person you're playing in a band with is also a drummer. Hmm. What is that like? Ooh, that's an interesting question. Because at first it it was nerve wracking. Yeah, I bet. Um, I would say it has a little bit of a learning curve to it, because when I first started playing Backseaters kind of songs, it's like it's kind of like trying to learn how someone's brain works to a degree. Yeah. So like, and the difference is, is you had the brain in the room. Yeah, and then like having to like show it to the actual brain that made it. It's like, is this kind of what you were going for? That's like the ultimate second guess. Yeah, exactly. So that took it. It kind of took me a while to get used to. Yeah. <laughs> like it wasn't really like an easy process, and um, like. And just, like, trying to be, like, respectful of, like, what the person has, like, created before you. And, like, truly trying to keep true to that material and how, like, it was supposed to be written. Like, that's... Yeah. With any, like, pre-backseater song, like, especially, like, the first EP and um, that kind of thing. It, um... I really tried my best and still currently do try. Yeah. To kind of fit what you're, tr- like, trying to do and, like, how you're, like... Tr- how, like, the structure of the song is supposed to work. Yeah. And, um, but it wasn't easy initially. Like, I'll be honest, like it kind of took me a while, but I think kind of the main thing I've really taken away from it that I kind of went with, I came in at the start of was to always like respect like the source material. And I take that everywhere I go now, like whether it's like covering for like another band or it's like playing with someone else or someone wants to learn some songs or something. I didn't know that you thought about it like that. Oh, very interesting. Yeah. Huh. Like you always respect the source material. Like that's someone's work that they put time into. So if you come in there and you just kind of like all over it, <laughs> yeah. Like it's, or say no, what you did wasn't good enough. Here's how we're gonna do it. Yeah. Like it's disrespectful to the writer and like the person that made it. 
And like, I think as I've learned kind of going on, like it's important to like- You just gained 10 respect points, bro. Aw, thanks dude. <laughs> just kidding. You already have infinity points. But um, as far as like, especially like with older songs, like Limbo that like we still like play a lot. I think that's kind of the only one that was like, that like predated me, like joining the band that we still play. Yeah, I mean, I had written that probably like just before you started. Gotcha. So like even like that song, like I honestly like it's still like even like the kick pattern is mostly the same. Like, but like obviously like it's kind of like baking. Like someone yeah. has like an original recipe mm-hmm. and like when you cook it the first time, like you should really try to follow the recipe book. Like, yeah, and then once you do it enough times, you go, oh, well, well, some paprika know. would be good here, but like you're still keeping the original recipe. Yeah, and I think that's kind of damn. Hard. I didn't know you thought about it like that. Oh yeah, <laughs> huh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a. I know we've talked about it, but uh, that was definitely a learning curve for me too. <laughs> when yeah. you joined, was. You know, I had had most of this, or well, I had written all of the songs for the album on my own. Yeah. And then it was like, you know, this was my baby. This was the thing I built from the ground up. And like, it was hard for me. And I know this sounds shitty, but it was like really hard for me to share it. And like, and I just had to keep reminding myself what it was like playing in bands with you know, people, um, who didn't necessarily like my creative input, Yeah, but I had to, I had to learn to share them and, you know, not just be over overpowering on what it was going to sound like. Yeah. And like, once I got over that, I feel like that's when everything like really, cause now, I mean, I'll do a demo yeah. and it's almost like I'm super fucking lazy about it <laughs> because I'll just do the easiest like drum pattern. Cause I go, ah, David will figure out something cooler. Yeah. It's kind of like the bass, you know, I'm not the best at bass. So I just lay down something so I can listen to the demo. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have, I have full faith, whether you have faith in yourself, you know, I have full faith in you to write something amazing. Oh, thank you. You and Colton. <laughs> plus Chris. <laughs> Just kidding. Fuck. Ooh, like it's kind of like... We a... love you, Chris, okay? <laughs> you know, just because this is on the podcast doesn't change anything. Yeah, we do. It's kind of like if someone asked me to fill in for their metalcore band, I'd say no. Like, I can't play Colorado Local is watching. Like... My feet can't go that fast, so like it would be disrespectful to you and to your time mm-hmm. for me to putz through your set. <laughs> yeah, because I can't play. Well, yeah, one thing that I do in a lot of my songs is the you know playing the hi hat the, and then I do the, mm-hmm. you know something like that. And for the longest time, I could tell that you were really trying to like learn and like do that exactly like how I did it, but yeah. it's just. Everybody has their own flavor, you know? It, yeah. You take I, the beat and you make it your own. Like what you did with the Phantom uh, bridge. Like I think I had like a rough idea for that, but you like expanded on it with the rim and like yeah. everything like that. And I don't know. I'm just, I'm super comfortable and like happy with how things are. Yeah, I don't second guess anything like, other than my writing ability, 
but like sometimes I just got to remind myself, you know, when I do play it lazy, doing the bass and the drums, that like you guys are going to come in and make it 10 times better. Oh, thank you. So <laughs> I can admit it now. For some reason, I was a hard headed piece of shit back in the day, but yeah, it's just, it's crazy looking back at all that. And I mean, how much. I've grown probably the most in this band and I'm playing like the instrument that's not native to me, you know, because I am a drummer, but just like as far as band dynamics and communicating, yeah, like, Like, oh, it's gotten infinitely better. Like, (laughs) yeah, just like one thing I'm trying to start to like learn better is like not to like take anything like personal or even if like I feel like shitty about something, I'll just be like, all right, just, yeah. Well, that's something we had to get past, too, was, you know, criticism or just, like, little things here and there. Like, you would take it personally before. Yeah. (laughs) But really, I was just, like, saying, oh, no, it goes like this. You know what I mean? Just to, like, help you. Yeah. But you, like, damaged me. So, like, now I just want to, like... I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. And then when I say something, I don't want to sound like the dictator, like, telling you what to do. No. Like, um, I think it's, yeah. Also, the other thing that's been cool about this band that I feel like not a lot of people talk about is, like, I feel like it's a really good outlet for, like, just, like, growing as a person. Like, like obviously, like, there's stuff that you learn just through, like, playing music and playing with other people that are just, like, mm-hmm. practical musical skills. Yeah. But there's also just a lot of, like, human development that goes on as well. We make like, babies. I, simply, <laughs> like, being in a band is kind of like being in a really. I mean, honestly, it is being in a relationship. For sure. Yeah, because so. if you don't communicate, that's a big thing for bands coming up, or even bands right now. Like, if you're having a hard time, you can't figure out what's wrong with your guys' vibe, have a band meeting. Yeah. See how everyone's feeling. Because, like, you might get together, and one guy might be like, yo, I've been thinking about quitting forever. Or, like, you know, somebody might be feel like their ideas are suppressed, or. And, like, even though these meetings may be, like, uncomfortable, like, in the end, like, they're healthy. Like, have a talking stick. <laughs> the last one we had, we had a drumstick and we passed it to whoever was talking. Yeah. Or, like, just. I, I think just, like, even if, like, you meet at, like, a place that's, like, outside of, like, anything, like, band related, like, go get coffee yeah. or something. Just so that you just feel that like, also helps as well because yeah. then there's like no emotional attachment. You're like yeah. meeting as like friends, yeah, and like as people. Like there's no like there's no backdrop. Like it's just like you as people. Yeah, and I think that's honestly like what it comes down to a lot more. Like mm-hmm. any person that you see in a band, like whether it be big or whether it be small, like they're still just people. Like yeah. they're not any better than you. Like just because they're in a bigger band or they have more money, like it doesn't matter. Like they're yeah. still people. I don't know. You know, I used to think about that a lot, but you know, one thing that I've really had stuck in my head lately is I think a big problem with like a lot of problems in the world stem from comparisons. Oh, most definitely. People comparing like their bodies to other people's bodies or their music or their status or like I've just been noticing how toxic comparisons are and like even if you know you're not going like oh i wish my body looked like his body your 
even if you're the person who has the good body and you're like, oh, look, that person has a terrible body. They're in terrible shape. Like you're still putting bad energy out and yeah. giving yourself a negative mindset, whether, you know, it's it's like disguises itself as like something positive because you're like saying something nice about yourself yeah. inadvertently because you're saying somebody else looks like shit <laughs> like it's just comparisons like i've had it stuck in my head for probably a week now i just can't stop thinking about how like oh this problem stems from this person comparing themselves to this hmm. you know like s- self-confidence it's it's a big thing and uh, social media has a lot, a lot to do with that. Like it's kind of, I actually stopped using Instagram for like a week or so. I'm like, let's see if it really changes anything. And like, I kind of just took it off for a week. Didn't really mess with it. I'm addicted to Instagram. I know. Like that's my one, like Facebook is like second, but like Instagram. Yeah. And then once like you kind of start viewing it as like more of like a tool rather than just like a here's a website where I can look at 25 people that are better than, than me at something. <laughs> yeah. Like once you start like using it as more of like a tool for like inspiration or like even just wanting to like put like your own stuff out there. Like even if, although I'm guilty of this, I don't ever post anything on Instagram, but like we're going to get better. We're going to get better at this. It's <laughs> it, it was in the meeting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh so anyway so using instagram but trying to use it as more of like a tool to like advance like your own career and use it as kind of like a tracker of progress i think it's a lot more productive than just being like like, i suck (laughs) yeah i mean that's i try to do that more yeah whereas like you know see what people are doing like look at the stories and like you know check out some people's posts but like I will find myself just wasting so much time just scrolling through Instagram. Whereas like I need to be letting people know that we play in the best band in the universe. Yes. Ooh, it's official. It's official. I think I said it on a podcast before, but let this be known as two members of the backseaters are here right now that the backseaters are the best band in the universe. Aliens can suck it. And this next EP is going to dominate. It's going to be Wild Stallions level. <laughs> Anybody who's seen Bill and Ted knows what I'm talking about. It will bring world peace. It will keep people from comparing things to things. It's going to be amazing. Oh, yeah. I'm excited. Yes. How do you, You're excited about the new songs? I am, actually. What are you... What are your goals or what are you excited for in the future? Like coming up, like what are you looking forward to? Um, thing I'm actively looking forward to is um one thing I find that the more I've been like playing like with other people and with bands and with the backseaters and that kind of thing is I love the recording process. <laughs> oh my god, it's amazing. I love it. Like <laughs> Me too. Like I know, like some people say, like, well, my favorite part is playing live, and like that's great too. Like, oh, I, I love do that love too. Playing live, but like there's something about the recording process that I love because I think there's this idea that like 
you're like actively creating something and you can hold it in your hand and you can give it mm-hmm. to other people. It's kind of like painting, but like with sound. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's definitely like addicting the first time you go to like a more professional studio. Yeah. Because then it's like, I don't know, it's laid out. It sounds good right after you track it. Right. <laughs> you know, there's just something about it. But yeah, I love I love the recording process. And like I've tried so hard for so long to be a session drummer. Yeah. Like I would love to just be the on-call drummer that somebody goes, hey, I got this person here. They're recording an EP. They need right. a drummer. Can yeah. you come down and lay down some drum tracks? Like, I would love that just because I love recording drums. Yeah. I think I love recording drums and like I love playing drums live, but I also love playing guitar live more than I love playing guitar on a recording. Gotcha. Because like there are different kinds of energies when I'm playing guitar live, like it's live. Yeah. But on a recording, like I'm trying to layer things and make it ambient and I don't know. But yeah, the the recording process is amazing. What's one tip if you could give a band recording or about to record? Ooh, uh, come prepared. <laughs> come prepared. And accept the fact that even if you think you're prepared, that you might have missed some things and your producer will help you out. Yeah. And um, also the other thing is... Um, I mean, obviously, like, if you have, like, time constraints, then, like, use them appropriately. Yes. But, like, also feel free to, like, if you don't feel entirely happy with it, do it again. Because, like, yeah. that's going to be the only time, for the most part, that you get to record that thing. Well, yeah, and don't worry that you're, like, wasting the producer's time or, like, you're paying them. Yeah. Like and at the end of the day, this is your product. Exactly. So, like... Even if you're like, I know I can make this part better or I want to experiment with this part. Like, feel free to do that. Like, don't be scared that you're going to be wasting someone's time or it has to be perfect the first time. Like, it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, Like exactly. Take your time with it. Experiment with it. Make it so that you're happy with it when you go to bed at night. <laughs> well, yeah, and when Taylor was on the podcast, we talked about the fact that, like, make a record that you're still going to love a year from when you put it out instead yeah. of you know, handing it to somebody and being like, hey, here's our EP on track two. I meant to do this drum fill and I didn't do it. Or, you know, just feeling like it wasn't everything that you wanted it to be. Like on the Phantom EP, there's nothing that I feel like I left out. Ooh, (laughs) there is one thing that bugs me about it. Is it the where you put your sticks down at the end of Wander? It's actually not that part. Next time, <laughs> fucking put them in your mouth. <laughs> Just kidding. Hypothetically, that was Taylor's fault, not mine. <laughs> Does that song start with stick clicks? Because I was thinking about it today. If it starts... No, it doesn't. It no, starts it with doesn't. me on guitar. Yeah. Never mind. But, um... Sorry. Ooh. All right, I'm not going to mention the exact moment. However... Uh, when we recorded Found, which is the third track on the EP. Which is the song you decided we're going to play at the end of this podcast. I did, actually. Okay. And the reason I chose it is because it was the first time I'd ever recorded anything without any scratch tracks. <laughs> oh, yeah, because I fucked it up really bad. <laughs> so, yeah, I remember I just told Taylor, I'm like, all right, just take them out. I'll just do the whole thing. And, um, yeah, and there's actually, but there, there's one oops on it. <laughs> 
And I feel bad I didn't catch it before, but I only caught it. Hold after. on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Do yeah. you really want to put this out because everyone's going to look for it and everyone's going to hear it every time they hear that song now? Ooh, see, I don't know. I don't mind being honest, but like now that's a good point though. Can we edit this or is it too late? It's too late, isn't it? It's Yeah, we can't edit it, but like the exact moment... Gotcha. You don't See, have I'm to not, say the exact I'm not saying moment. the exact moment. Okay. Like, yeah, but, but there is an oops on it. Because that might be something if you said it, I hear it every time and wince. Yep. No, I'm not going to say where it is. Okay. Fuck no. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to listen for it. You know what I mean? Because that's the thing about playing live too. A tip for bands playing shows or even if you've been playing shows for a long time, if you fuck up 95% of the time, the people listening to you, yeah. Don't know that you fucked up, so or don't like, let it ruin your whole show. Yeah. Or like hypothetically, there might not actually be anything wrong with found. So maybe it's a mind twister or a mind. It might be one of those things that I think is unique and cool. Ooh. But you view it as a mess up, like the way I view your drumming, um, you know, style. That actually, yeah, that could be. Honestly, that's probably why no one's ever noticed it. It's probably just me. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you uh, you definitely leave the door wide open with your drum parts to, you know, have little things. Yeah. And uh, do you play it that way live? No. No, you don't? Well, no, well, You yes. never do the little, Wait, the little slip live? Which, actually, no, I don't. Okay. Yeah, because like, I used to do that, uh, like, when I recorded drums, if yeah. I, like did something off yeah. accidentally, like, I'd just start doing it live. Ooh, but see, like, here's the thing. Like, I, like, it bugs me because I know that I did it. Mm-hmm. But, like, anyone else that's listening to it is never going to I've never heard a problem with it. That is crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, in that case, it's officially just a David problem. <laughs> Damn, I'm not going to tell you where it is, though. I think that's for the best. Fair. Uh, well, if... The fact that even Taylor didn't catch it, Colton didn't catch it, you didn't catch it, that means it's strictly a David problem. That means it doesn't exist. Let it go. Exactly. But you hear it every time you listen to it. (laughs) (laughs) It's the worst, man. But now you know for next time. Yeah. Yeah. Come prepared. Take your time. It's okay. You're paying them thousands of dollars to do what they're doing. And accept that you are going to grow. If you're not hard-headed and stubborn... You're going to learn something. Yeah. And if you go in believing that you're good enough, you're not going to learn anything, your record's probably not going to be that good. Just saying. I know that's kind of a cocky thing to say, but uh, yeah. Um, damn, we covered a lot of shit. We did. I'm kind of surprised two hours has gone by so fast. <laughs> you know, the thing about it is, and we're definitely going to have to do more podcasts, but there's... I mean, three years, four years of material. Yeah, there's quite a bit. That we have to cover that we've been playing together. So, I mean, let's just accept the fact that there's going to be many more episodes. I definitely want to get all four of us on here. I think that'd be a hoot. Um, A hoot. (laughs) Any more tips that you have for people? Overthink it, but to an appropriate amount. (laughs) Don't let it kill you. Yeah. Right on. Well, thank you for coming on my podcast, even if it was 25 episodes in. I feel like, like I said, 
it took the right amount of time because I got to learn how to do this, get my feet under me because I knew that you and I were going to have to go deep on this conversation. So So is this the 26th? This This is 25. Oh, that's like a solid number though. Yeah. A quarter, quarter of a hundred. Right on. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thanks for having me on once again. Of course. We'll definitely do it again. Episode number 25 of the Don't Start a Band podcast, and you are going to be listening to Found by the Backseaters. Will it be enough?
die to be a ghost It's happening, baby, what I fear most You don't have to die to be a ghost If you never really be